good day. Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. No Bill today. I'm Ben Kenny, sitting across from me at a time I normally don't talk to him, especially on this medium. He is Zach Heilprin. Zach, hello. Good morning. Good late morning. I don't know. What is it? I I, I would call it the morning. All I right. don't know. I usually say good morning until like 2 p.m. Yeah, it's kind of annoying to be honest with you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I feel it's kind of like condescending. A little bit. Why? Because it feels like you're like, oh, look, the guy just walked in. He's it's uh, <laughs> it's one o'clock in the afternoon. And here's Ben saying, oh, good morning. As if you've been here f- for uh, like eight hours, which uh, sometimes I have mm. at that point. Yeah, I, sometimes, no. sometimes the lines on the times of day are just a little blurred. Yeah. Uh, speaking of during the day yesterday, uh, Zach, I'm going to ask you a broad sweeping question and then we'll get into what happened with the Brewers walk off win over to the Tampa Bay Rays, four to three in 10 innings. Zach, are the Brewers back? <laughs> what, would the, what would the question be if they had lost that game? They're like, yeah, look, Brewers still in the uh, in the shambles, just still still a mere, what, shell of itself since uh, the trade deadline. I don't know. Like, I don't think that they're back. They have a, they've set themselves up for what is a huge series starting tomorrow in St. Louis. I mean, I'll, I'll say that. I don't know if they're back or not. I, I would probably say two wins over Tampa Bay doesn't make you back after you go one and five against the Reds and the Pirates. But it's better than losing two straight, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, you're only a game back from St. Louis. I think, you know, two, what, uh, Wednesday night's game was, or as to say Tuesday night's game was kind of a, a really well-played game all around. They, they got com, uh, contributions from all over the place. So, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some signs of that. But in baseball, it takes more than two games for anything to actually be, you know, a pattern. That I agree. To answer your original question, had the Brewers split against the Rays, I would have come on and said, are we happy with the split? Are we in an okay spot in this tough nine-game stretch that they're on with the Rays for two, the Cardinals for three, and the Dodgers for four? In terms of being back, I talked about this last night. I'm not there yet. However, you mentioned the more sleepy win in game one against the Rays where the offense does enough. Freddie Peralta goes five, pitches well. The bullpen, one inning through four, no real signs of weakness after what was a tough week for the bullpen. That was kind of a sleepy Brewers win to win the way they did yesterday in walk-off fashion. Telez hits the game-tying homer in the ninth. They come back scoreless top of the 10th, and then Willie Adamas walks it off in the bottom. I will say that at least from the outside perspective, those wins, especially given the setting and the context of how this team has performed, mean a little more. Wins in that ilk where you come back and you walk it off, you kind of you steal a victory from the jaws of defeat those wins kind of are ones that could turn the tide. Well, I think it's important because of what we heard from the clubhouse after the Josh Hader trade, right? Like the the feeling inside the clubhouse that you're trading away one of your best players, you're in first place. And it kind of felt like a shot to the clubhouse. And wins like that kind of jolt you out of it a little bit, I would say. I, and you know, and you go one in five against teams that are not very good. And to be able to get a sweep against a team that's at least – I guess competing for a wild card spot like uh, Tampa Bay is that, I mean, it it does mean something, but again, it doesn't really long term. It doesn't mean a ton. It's just a good, you know, it's just a good note. It's just going out on a good note on a really tough homestand. I shouldn't say tough, just an ugly homestand. Not tough at all. Should have, should have been way over 500 on the homestand instead of going three and five. But um, the way that they 
played yesterday, the way that they won, it's important moving forward into St. Louis. Yeah, it feels good. It, and makes, it gets you going to St. Louis on a good, right. feeling good about yourself a Especially, little bit. so the struggles happen. I think The off day Monday clearly was needed, given what had gone on last week. And then they have this two-game win, the two-game series. And then they have off today, which I think could end up also helping where you carry that positive momentum. The bullpen gets rested up. Let's go back through the sounds of yesterday's game. So Brandon Woodruff gives up three runs through seven innings, bit a bit by the long ball. However, remember a couple weeks ago, Woodruff dropped a game to the Pirates where he entered the seventh scoreless through six. It was a 3 nothing Brewers lead. And then just first pitch to everybody, it all unraveled. The Pirates ended up winning that game. I, I forget if that was before the All-Star break or last week. I don't know. All the games are kind of uh, morphing together at this point. But... Yesterday, he does give up three runs. He gives up the homer to Randy Arozarena to give the Rays the lead there in the seventh. He just hung a change up there. That was not a sign of, of breaking down by any means. He throws 85 pitches, so that's an encouraging sign, coming back and ramping back up after his prolonged absence. So good news there. The bullpen comes in. Brad Boxberger, shaky, loads the bases with one out. But Hobie Milner comes up and two clutch outs, backwards K's to get out of that inning and preserve the one run deficit. They turned then to Trevor Gott in the ninth when the game was still three to two. And then bottom of the ninth comes up. Rowdy Telez had entered the game earlier for, I believe it was Keston Hira. He steps up to the plate and here's how it sounded here on the zone and across the state. Mm, but did it. Here he comes. Telez! to center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Goal for Rowdy Telez! Now, the way the Brewers have the booth working, they interchange Euchre. I don't know the process for that. I just hear him sometimes, and other times I don't. So Euchre was in there for the bottom of the ninth and called that. Great call. Telez ties the game. Then they go to the top of the tenth. And this is where I think the conversation is going to center around when we talk about these two games. The defense was terrific. And this has been a baseball team that has been plagued by poor defense. Often, we saw a Mets game early in the season. A big Telez throwing error ended up becoming the, the losing blow to the Brewers. Yesterday, it arguably became the reason they won. Top of the 10th inning, the runner starts on second base. The first batter chops a hard one to Telez. He goes to third, though, and gets the out there on a great throw. Here's how that sounded. Williams brings home the first pitch, and Walls chops one to first base. Telez across the field to third, and they cut down the runner. Oh, what a heads-up play by Rowdy Telez. It's, it's a good play, right? It's a really, really good play. If that does not go the right way, though, oh, it's bad. he's getting killed. Oh, I know. Right? Like, take the easy out, you know, to just get, get out of it. Take the easy out. But it was a great play. It's one of those deals, and we'll elaborate on this uh, coming up in a couple minutes. It's one of those deals to me where the plays they made, there was the heroic of Tyrone Taylor robbing the home run on Tuesday. The day I, It feels weird because the series should have started on Monday, but it didn't. So yeah. Tuesday, well, game one. And, and I also made the mistake of them being at home for, for eight games. They were at Pittsburgh for three before, so that's my bad. Yeah, so they were three and three on this short homestand. No, which, they, were, they were three and two. On the homestand. Three and three, I believe, because they played three against Cincinnati and two against Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't think my math works out there. Anyway, uh, (laughs) it doesn't six. They didn't play six games at home. That aside. So 
yeah, it's you have the heroics of Tyrone Taylor robbing the home run, but then that is a fundamental baseball play, right? It's not like we're talking about some crazy out there throw from maybe center field to cutting down a runner at home to win the game. It's a very fundamental play. And I guess the reason I'm focusing on it, it could have gone wrong. We've seen it go wrong. It's the fact that those are plays this team has not made throughout this entire year. Yet in that spot, like those are, that's how you win baseball games late in the season in crunch time with defense. So I'm going to give that play a lot of shine because it's something we haven't seen. Well, and also again, it, it makes sense to do it because obviously it cuts down the runner and, and it means that a, a sack fly is not going to score a run, right? Like that is, is significant. And if it doesn't work, if he's, if he's late there, then you're kind of, you got two on and uh, nobody out at that point, but it worked. And uh, Hey, that's, that's all that matters. So then they head to the bottom of the 10th inning and Willie Adamas comes up and walks it off. And the one Oh pitch Willie ground ball left side. That's going to get through Taylor around third. The throw to the plate is going to be late. And the Brewers walk off the Rays. So the reaction to that walk-off, Zach, and all walk-offs are obviously festive, but I, you had the entire team. They were sprinting at a pretty fast clip to get out there to Adamas. You could tell that, that the energy there felt like more significant than normal given the last week. Well, in the way that it happened, right? Like It's not like it was a 2-2 game throughout the entire thing, then all of a sudden they got to the 10th and they scored. It was the heroics of Rowdy Telez in the top of the, or say in the bottom of the ninth, then the top of the 10th, you get out of there with, you know, uh, Devin Williams only facing two batters. And then uh, obviously Willie Adamas, who's one of your emotional leaders and emotional guys that people like look to for that type of uh, juice goes out and does that against his former team. Yeah. I'm not shocked that, that uh, where they're at, especially what it's August, man. It's getting close. It is August. It's getting close. It's getting down to it. Like you got a month and a half, month and a half ish of baseball left. And at this point, when you're in this race with the Cardinals, every game matters. So I checked again today, entering yesterday before that game, the Cardinals were minus 140 to win the NL Central. The Brewers, as we sit right now, are one back. They were one back entering yesterday. Both teams pick up the win. The Cardinals were minus 140 to win the NL Central. The Brewers were plus 115. Now the price has shifted a little bit, 10 cents in the Brewers' direction. The Cardinals minus 130 to win the NL Central. The Brewers plus 105. The Milwaukee's still, though, minus 215 to make the playoffs. I don't know. I It's flipped on its head since eight days ago, nine days ago, before the trade deadline. But, yeah, it, it is still a head-to-head race with the Cardinals. You have the three-game set coming up in St. Louis starting tomorrow, going through this weekend. Eric Lauer versus Jordan Montgomery to start it off. Corbin Burns against Wainwright on Saturday. And then Aaron Ashby against Miles Michaelis closing it out on Sunday. We'll talk a lot more about that series as we go through today and tomorrow as well. Zach and I will be in for Bill tomorrow. A lot more to talk about with this team, though. And that's what I want to get to when we come back. There's the overall thought of does the ship feel righted? And just in terms of uh, pure reaction to it, those games felt more like Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And it all comes back to me, Zach, to the bullpen. When we saw them struggle during the trade deadline directly after against those poor teams, the bullpen pitched to an ERA around 485, one of the worst bullpens in baseball during that stretch. You come back and the bullpen gives up one run in seven innings against the Rays. It's weird because it was a lot of the usual suspects where one game you went from Peralta 
to Milner to got to Boxberger, and then Bush comes on and gets the save. And then yesterday, it's Woodruff, Boxberger, Milner, got Williams. Not no Taylor Rogers. Obviously, Rosenthal is not ready yet. McGee's out of here. It's the usual suspects that we've seen throughout the year, plus Bush. But the fact that the bullpen was stellar in this Rays series I, against the struggling Rays team offensively, at least, I, it makes me feel better about where they stand. Because even if this team loses uh, three to two ball games where the bullpen pitches well, I still feel good about their chances at you know in an NL Central race or whatever. It's when it starts to unravel, like we saw last week when they go one and five. That's when I start to get concerned. You get concerned when they go one and five. I get concerned when the end sucks. <laughs> I mean, what they what they do at the at the break? They traded traded away one bullpen one bullpen arm, a pretty significant one who actually struggled a bit. Uh, well, I was gonna go. <laughs> I was gonna do an exercise here. I was gonna ask uh, what's the word relation game. That that we see, you know, like in television on, I don't know, crime shows or whatever. They ask a suspect. It's like uh, a word. What's the thing when you when they show you a picture and then you say a word that relates word to association, it? word association. There you go. I wanted to play word association with the thought uh, and the fact that Josh Hader blew a three run lead the other night. It was. Yeah, it was. That was the dumpster fight uh, <laughs> of a performance. And unfortunately, that was kind of what he had not not been. But for much of July, that's what he was for Milwaukee, too. Wasn't he? Can, I mean, we can agree on that. I mean, even if you don't like the trade and obviously there's a lot of people that don't considering uh, what, what the bullpen has looked like, you know, for much of the since the trade deadline outside of the, the Tampa Bay series. He was that was kind of what he was in July. And I don't want to, you know, he has had stretches where he's played poorly before, but he was that was I know people have talked about this for the last three weeks. Who cares about it anymore at this point? But that was kind of who he had been in July. Yeah, there is a little bit of salty ex-girlfriend in watching Hater play now where I kind of want him to struggle this season. So the Brewers trade looks better. (laughs) Like if Rogers comes in and pitches great, I think he's only pitched like twice for the Brewers so far. But if he's great and Hater struggles, there's that salty ex-girlfriend thing where you see your former partner, or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, go and struggle out in the dating scene. It makes you feel a little better. Yeah, but what? Taylor Rogers is hurt right now. Yeah, I know. And he was hurt in San Diego. But it's mostly they, the Hater thing. I know, but they still made the trade. What? What? Are they, what? I know. It still makes no sense to me. Uh, 877-867-1670. We will take your calls reacting to a great stretch of Brewers baseball, a great win yesterday. They go 2-0 and against Tampa. We'll talk about the bullpen when we come back. I, we'll talk about the alignment maybe moving forward because we saw Devin Williams in the 10th yesterday. We saw Matt Bush save the game the day before. We'll talk about what it looks like moving forward. A lot more to get to on that front. A lot to get to as well. The Packers in action tomorrow night against San Francisco. Talk about the storylines there. If you follow myself or Zach, you know the Badgers mostly come first for both of us. So we will talk Badger camp. Some big time storylines coming out of that. And if there's one name that you would bring up, the most important names in the races for the divisions for both the Brewers, the Badgers, and the Packers, we'll say who comes to mind at first coming up here in a little bit. 877-867-1670. You want to react to the Brewers game? That is the number to call. We will be back. It's Ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. 
covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. We're with you today. 877-867-1670. You want to react to the Brewers' win against the Rays yesterday. Do it. We'll get to the Packers and all that good stuff coming up here in a little bit. So, Zach, I was talking about the bullpen. And the alignment through the last two games uh, was interesting. Because Matt Bush comes on and saves Tuesday's game. After Devin Williams had pitched on Sunday, so he was coming off that, but they had the off day. I, it seemed like a situation where maybe Williams could have been used, but they go with Bush, and Bush looks terrific. His first week with the team was a lot of struggles there, wasn't sharp, but then two strikeouts, no base runners, his stuff looked electric. So he comes on and gets the save, and that brought up, to me, I was going to talk about this yesterday before I realized that the Brewers would play again before Grant's show at night. So it was the double dose there. But what this closer situation could now look like on the team, because I'm a believer when it comes down to it, that if you have a elite, super all world class arm like the Brewers had with Hader, uh, especially years ago, and this is how they used him. You look back at Andrew Miller on the Indians in 2016, or Aldis Chapman on the Cubs that year, they would come in the game whenever a high leverage situation presented itself. Whether it was the seventh, the sixth, whenever they needed an out, they would go to their best arm. And I'm a believer in that line of thought if you also have a dependable guy on the back end. I also do kind of subscribe to the whole uh, having a set, having some uniformity there could be a good thing. How do you see this bullpen situation playing out in the future? If Bush is good enough, if Rogers is maybe the trio of closer by committee, if you will, it's going to be, I feel like that's what it's going to be. I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to get set in stone this year with those three guys. Right. Um, And he maybe even, you know, maybe Boshberg is thrown in there somewhere place too. It just feels like they don't have a go-to guy at this point. And I look, Devin Williams was lights out for much of this season. Right. And, and, uh, you would think that that would make sense for him to be the guy, but I also think he just really was was feeling feeling himself in the eighth inning, right? It was just it, not that he can't be a, a, a closer. He's shown he can be at times, but it just felt like he was such in his own in that spot that maybe they shouldn't have messed with it at all. But I, again, it's going to be a closing by committee situation. I don't see any other way around it unless one guy. I don't. I don't envision a guy grabbing it and running with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I just don't see that. Well, I, I know Council seems like a guy that would love to have this large array of tools and then choose how to deploy them, if you will. So I feel like this caters to his skill set as a manager well with all of, in theory, if they're all pitching well, a bunch of guys that are good enough to get the high leverage spots, then he chooses how to deploy them. So, well, and, and the problem with that is, well, for, for him, I guess, is he's going to make the wrong decision once he's going to get killed. Oh, like yeah. That, that, like, that's just being a man. Like, you can make... Yeah, I'm going to go with Bush here. And if Bush is awesome, great move. And if he sucks, horrible move. Like, that's just, that's honestly just the way it is with baseball. He can be great one day and horrible the next. Well, that's what it looked like. I would have done this. Yeah, well, that's what it looked like last week against the Pirates and Reds. Yeah. Because nobody in the bullpen at that time could get out. Even Williams gave up that walk-off one of those days. 
I, even the new guys who came in couldn't get out. So no matter what council did in that series, especially I think that long Ashby, uh, or the Ashby game where he gave up four through four and two thirds and the bullpen came up and gave up another four runs where no matter what council did, it just didn't work. So it's, it's interesting. Do you think this team needs a consistent guy back there? It'd be nice. Like when you have carved out roles like that, that was what we knew pretty much not the entire season, but it was kind of what the, the idea would be. It would be Brad Boxberg. You get, you get a starter, go to six, Brad Boxberg in the seventh, Devin Williams in the eighth, Josh Hader in the ninth, and uh, you win the game. Hader in the ninth only if they were up one run and if he hadn't pitched for the previous days. Right, and uh, certainly can't go two innings. Nope, that's impossible. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, but you, like that's that was the ideal, right? Like that was what you wanted to, you wanted it to look like. And uh, right now, they don't necessarily have that. I think, and I think that's the case for most most teams. Do a lot of teams have? I don't know this. I, I again, I'm. I'll admit, I am not a uh, devout follower of every single bullpen in, the, mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. Do a lot of people have that set up, or are they having to do a little bit different? guys in the seventh and eighth and then obviously most have their own closer i think it depends a lot more on the personnel on the teams i i could like you look at the mets they obviously have edwin diaz back there who <laughs> will go back to that electric walkout what do the brewers walk out if they have a closer by committee i don't know i know diaz is, is one is is the one thing but yeah um well, Diaz, you could go around going, the league. I, I was thinking Baltimore. I was thinking Baltimore. What, when well, they get, traded away Jorge Lopez to the Twins. Right, but the closer now comes out to the to the whistle. Of he, to Omar. Omar's whistle, yes. which is so sweet. Yeah. And he's, uh, I, I believe his last name's Bautista. Okay. He's a huge dude and just, he throws Frisbees. He is ridiculous back there. That's an amazing, I mean, I can't think of something cooler to come out to than that. Neither can I, especially because their team's winning. And I know that we're, we're big Wire fans, so I've, maybe people that haven't watched the Wire have no clue what that is, but... Omar Little, absolute legend. That's what, yeah, that's what we're referring to. The thing is with that video, when you take the video from the stands, you can't really tell the tune. I want to see, like the Mets posted the video with the pure non through the speaker audio yeah. with the camera following Devin, right. uh, Edwin Diaz. I want to see that, but in Baltimore. Yeah. The, I mean, in the. <laughs> what if Mr. they get Mr. the whole stadium? Mr. To... Met, Mr. Met, like playing like oh. the horn and stuff. And... Mr. Met's an idiot. What about Mrs. Met? I, she's okay. Okay. I'm not a fan of Mr. Met. <laughs> what if they get the whole stadium in Baltimore whistling well, along? It'd be amazing. Man. Be like, uh, yeah, be like wild thing, right? Like we get the entire crowd. Yeah. Yeah. You're a little bit young for that. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Have you I seen am, major league? I've, I've seen it not in a long time okay. and I can't quote it. So okay. big Joe actually tried to call in a famous <laughs> morning show caller, tried to call in when I was in for grant no, 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 two no. days ago. And he called in right as we hit break, and then we had a guest coming up. So I couldn't take the call. Then he put a major league reference out there. I'm just not – I haven't seen it recent enough to be able to quote everything. Gotcha. Uh, Speaking of actually major league, the Field of Dreams game Mm. is tonight. Are you excited? I don't know how that – Connects major league other than that. It's a movie. baseball movie. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> so I got it. Those aren't the same movies, Ben. Well, today is annual. What are your top five baseball movie day on sports radio? Nationally. I couldn't even name five baseball movies. Really? Major league one, major league two, major league three, <laughs> uh, Sandlot and, uh, feel the dreams. That's five. There you go. Have you seen the rookie with Dennis Quaid? Mm, no, that's, I have seen bull Durham Moneyball. I've seen, I've seen Moneyball. I'm not putting my top five, though. No, I I don't think we should do a top five. Thank I just God. think <laughs> it is our we are contractually obligated on a day like today 
to at least name seven to eight baseball movies. What about uh, Henry Rodengartner? What's what's what is that one? Do you know? I have no clue. Okay, that's, that's, <laughs> Someone's going to call in and call I, me an idiot. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any more off the top of my head. But I, the Field of Dreams game is tonight. Ed's and the Cubs. Rookie of the year. Ah. I have a, that's the with the kid who's it on the Cubs and throw hurts he, his arm. Yeah, and he breaks loses. his arm, and then all of a sudden he's like can throw it like a million mi- like ninety five miles an hour, hundred miles an hour. And then spoiler at the end of the movie. Spoiler, spoiler. Please turn off the radio if you have not seen Rookie of the Year. Uh, he can't do it. Ninety three starts throwing Ephesus, and the dude still misses because his mom was uh, a pitcher. Like he always thought like his dad was the pitcher, but then he opens up the glove and it. It sees his mom, it's his mom's name instead, and she's she's like, yes. There you go. Yes. Look at this, Zach. Yeah. So there's baseball movie talk for the day. But the Field of Dreams game is tonight. Uh, the Reds and the Cubs. I guess I'll watch. Last day. This actually brings me to something that makes me a little sad, and it, it has to do with the Brewers a little bit. In the event that they somehow make the World Series, albeit probably a little bit of a long shot, Joe Buck is no longer employed by Fox. And it's something that I don't think we've really realized as a sports watching society. We saw it during the all-star game. No Joe Buck. And we're going to see it during the field of dreams game tonight. And we're going to see it as the NFL season kicks off. He's on Monday night football now, which football, I don't care as much because he still does it, but there's some like Joe Buck and I'm young. You and your traditions, man. It's just insane. Well, it's just all I've known throughout my life is Joe Buck calling the world series. He's done it since what? 2002, 2003? Extended time. Extended yeah. time. Yeah. That's 20 years. That's my whole life, pretty much. Yeah, it's tough, tough scene for you. I don't know how you're going to get by. You're going to have to listen to who's doing it now? Joe Davis, the Dodgers TV guy. All right, there He's you go. He's good. He's fine. He's not Joe Buck. So, John Madden was like the voice of football from for my youth. I remember John Madden. Okay. Like All right. Watching See, him on like TV, I mean. You don't remember him from his CBS days or his Fox days. You probably remember him just from Monday Night Football. Yep. And then, did, yeah. So, like. Monday Night Football. Yeah. that That's it. That was not him for a long time. And now mm-hmm. Joe Buck into that Monday Night slot, which has just been a revolving door. I don't think it's going to be revolving anymore. No. No, definitely not. Uh, but, yeah. So, Field of Dreams game tonight. Uh, no Joe Buck on the call. But it, it'll be cool. I'll probably turn it on in some capacity. Uh, 877-867-1670. We'll get back to the Brewers here when we come back. Talking about the bullpen, whether they need a closer, what that situation should look like moving forward, whether you feel the ship is righted here. They win two against Tampa. Nine-game stretch that I've mentioned. Two against Tampa that just happened. Three in St. Louis over the weekend. And then four at home against the Dodgers to lead off next week. They're already 2-0. I said at the beginning of it, five and four would feel like a big win, given what's happened. If they can somehow battle their way to six and three, then they're back probably atop the NL Central. But we'll talk more about what the rest of the season looks like when we come back. It's Ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. I'm on Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny. He's at Zach Heilprin. Very succinct there. What's, well, B, what's Ben Z. Kenny? Z is my middle initial. 
What is your what's your middle name? The thing is, nobody would ever guess it. It's not Zachary. It's not Zachary. It's nothing simple. Zenith. I, you could try to guess it for hours. You will not get it. It's we could car- probably fill a full seven-hour radio day with you trying to guess it. I think people should call in and guess. That would be call, interesting. Call in and guess, guess what Ben's middle name is. It starts with a Z. If you want to do it, 877-867-1670. But just to keep the suspense going, I don't think I'm going to tell people. Uh, Even if they get it right? Oh, if they get it right, I'll tell them. Okay. But I'm not just going to throw it out there. But it's my middle initial. I am. Um, there's actually another Ben Kenny that's quite famous. If people like music, he's part of some band and he has a lot of followers on Twitter. When you search him on the internet, that's who comes up. So we're working. Uh, but some, a guy named Ben Kenny. Exactly. I mean, he's not famous at all. The what guy, the musician? No, no. The guy that has Ben Kenny. Oh, oh, on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what this other guy has. Okay. I mean, on the internet. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Twitter. Yeah. And why you couldn't get Ben Kenny. No, I didn't try to. I, I wanted the Z in there. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting letter to have in the middle of your name. I've literally never met anybody with the middle name with a Z. There you go. So shout out to my parents for <laughs> differentiating <laughs> me from some other loser on Twitter. 877-867-1670. You want to chime into it. Talking about the Brewers wins over the Rays and where the bullpen currently stands Uh, The case either direction for having one guy end up taking that closer role and maybe having multiple and just doing it based on alignment. Uh, It's it's one of those deals, Zach, where there's that one side where if you have multiple quarterbacks, you don't have any. Although the NFL obviously different in the sense of one quarterback plays. This is a bullpen where the guys can still pitch uh, in different innings and in different situations. It's just one of those to me where if Matt Bush and Rogers, when he's there and Boxberger are all pitching effectively lights out, then I want Williams everywhere and like anywhere you can put him in the sixth, seventh, whatever. But if I start to see cracks in the armor of Bush and Rogers, when he goes, I kind of want it to be only Williams because he has, he has the stuff more so than anyone else in the bullpen of the closer. And I know Rodgers has done it a lot, but ugh, I, like, I've never been a big fan of him. Grant and I jokingly talk about the eye test a lot, but objectively, in my eyes, Taylor Rodgers does not pass the eye test. Because you don't like the way he pitches. Because Maybe. You don't, like the, you, don't way that, you don't like the way it looks. Possibly. Yeah. I, but it works. He's like, he's well, good. I mean, it, it has worked at times. But it, it's not like closer eye test stuff. No, no, it's not. But it, like, I think it's also fair to say that he wasn't he wasn't healthy this year, right? Like, I mean, up until up until like the last couple months, he was pretty good. He was good enough, I should say, not pretty good. He was he was good enough. Well, he was good for like a year or two stretch. You go before that, and he was. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are Twins fans. They couldn't stand the guy. There is not. A, I feel like the there there are a few things in this world that people like less than uh, longtime relievers that aren't dominant. Yes. Like okay. guys that, that like people love Josh Hader because he was dominant, right? Like they didn't want him to leave because he was dominant. Uh, Taylor Rogers was, was fine, but he wasn't like elite. And when you have a guy be in a spot for that long and he was Minnesota for an extended period, yes, you're going to learn to dislike him like that. That, that happens, especially with, with relievers. 877-867-1670. We will continue the conversation, uh, but first let's go to the phones. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? 
Hey, this is Daniel from Toma. What's up, Daniel? How are you? I was going to say the other day, I'm pretty good, I guess. But I'm kind of <laughs> upset with the Brewers for getting rid of the closer. Yeah. Because they forgot the time that we could have won in, I think it was 17 and 16, if we had a closer. We were 18. bringing people in here before Heater came along. I can't remember what year it was. Because we had no closer. And we kept on losing the games in the ninth inning. We would do really good until the ninth inning. Lose it, lose it. Then Hader come along. At first, he, you know, he had to learn a couple extra pitches. And now we get them down packed and get rid of them because they might not be able to afford them. You know, I put it like this. When Jones came up to the contract, everybody says, there ain't no way Jones is going to stay in Green Bay. He stayed because he wanted to. Did anybody find out if Hader wanted to stay in the Brewers or did he want to go to California? It's all an attitude. A lot of times it is attitude. Sometimes you can't afford expensive. And those people that call up here and say, get rid of Hater before they did it, you all laughing at you. Oh, no, we're mad at the Brewers. You wanted this. I was just wondering, do you think sometimes management listens to the people? Because I heard it a hundred times beginning of the season, get rid of Hater, get rid of Hater. It's just like they said, get rid of Rodgers. I'm so up. I'm baiting because they said get rid of Rodgers. No, you don't. You don't get rid of your star players. I got you, Daniel. I I mean, first of all, I do not think management ever listens to the fans, uh, first and foremost. Second, in terms of whether Hater wanted to be in Milwaukee, I think that is a complicated situation. It's clear that as time went on, he pitched on his terms more often than not, it felt like, and maybe he wanted to end up going somewhere where he knew he could get paid a lot of money going down the road. So I don't want to speak for what was going on inside the building, but I'm with you. I, I'm not a fan of the trade. Corey Knable was no. I mean, Corey Knable was the was the guy there for a while, right? Like he was the guy in 2017 was an all-star, I believe in 2017. And then in 2018, you know, it, it wasn't as good. Yeah. And I believe that was the year that he got hurt, though, too. And was Hader? No, no, excuse, excuse me. He fell apart towards the end of that year. Wasn't Hader the high leverage guy at that point, too? He wasn't a he wasn't the closer. No. Right. He was. Yeah, he was middle innings, which is like I if you bring up that they didn't have a closer, I would argue it's all about having the most dominant arms you can possibly have. Look at what the Tampa Bay Rays have done forever. They have crazy stuff coming out of the pen and they deploy them in really advantageous spots. When Hader was doing that high leverage thing years ago, he might've been more valuable to the team than had he just been pitching in the ninth in terms of the trade. It's like you just gave away a, a dominant and great pitcher. That's where I, I have a problem with it. Yeah. And that's where I do have a problem. I told you beginning of the season, they, I heard people say, get rid of them. Why? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a bad trade. Look what's happened to the team since he's gone. I mean, it's all an attitude. A lot of times you can win games, by your attitude more than your play. Yeah, I got you. Daniel, appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, so that 2018 was was obviously Corey Knable was at the start. Then they had Jeremy Jeffress as well Yeah, uh, closing things out. And, and Hader ended up with 12 saves that year too, but it, it wasn't there wasn't a dominant guy by any stretch. Yeah, and I, I mean he speaks about uh, in terms of look at what's happened. That pitching staff, man. Elise Chassin. Chase Anderson. Ugh. Oh, don't get me started on Chase Anderson. Junior Guerra, Brent Suter, Wade Miley, and then Freddie Peralta got some starts as well. Um, six, I mean, started 14 games. Wade Miley was was fine. And Ulysses Chassin found a career year there for, for a while. But I will always think of him as a Rocky. Oh, I don't know course. why. No, because he pitched there a majority of his career. But he went he won 15 games a year for them. Yeah, which, I mean, that's, that's the whole Zach Davies route. 
you could win a lot of games and be a subpar pitcher. And and the guys coming out of the uh, like out of the bullpen, or at least coming up that year, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns pitching along with Freddie Peralta. Yeah, nasty. I something Daniel said in terms of the attitude. Uh, I mean. When we speak about what's happened since the trade, obviously last week happens and it continues to give me pause before I completely buy into this team's chances, but they did just sweep the Rays for two games. So when it comes to looking at their season and where they stand today is a happy day. I don't want to put a cold, wet blanket on all of the hopes after what we saw this week. So I I just want to make that clear. I guess we could save the continued complaints and continued uh, skies falling attitudes for when they start losing again. Uh, but but right now they just won two straight games. They're back within a game. Like today is a happy day. You you can complain after they go to St. Louis and get swept. Exactly. If they lose two <laughs> out of two, three in St. Louis, I will open the phone lines. But today they just won two straight. At least the hope is there. They can go take two out of three from the Cardinals. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. We're gonna step away here. Take a quick break. A lot more to come. It's Ben Kenny and Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are headed to California today where they'll face the 49ers tomorrow night in their first game of the preseason. The Packers' offensive line right now is very young while their defensive front is in the prime of their careers. I asked left guard John Runyon if that makes it a challenge for them during training camp. Yeah, uh, we, we know the line that we're going out with right now, we're, we're really young and um, this whole camp going against uh, you know the front that we have, you know the, the guys you got Preston, Rashad, Sean, Kenny, Dean, uh, you know, Dre backing them up, and they got Quay. Quay's a really athletic linebacker, you know. Uh, they're really good and you know they're making us better and you know we've had some growing pains up front and I think these past few practices uh, we've seen uh, really big strides in our group up front and hopefully we're able to keep that going. With David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins still out GM Brian Gutekinst was asked if the Packers are thinking about signing a veteran offensive tackle off the street. We do have you know two significant players you know that haven't been out there that will be coming back. I think as we've gone the past few years that really it hasn't been like that. So, we'll, you know, if there's opportunities out there that we think we can help us, we're gonna we're certainly going to look at that, but um, nothing imminent. The Packers are short at running back and won't play Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon tomorrow night against the 49ers. So they re-signed 25-year-old Dexter Williams, who they drafted out of Notre Dame in the sixth round back in 2019, Matt LaFleur. It's always cool to see a guy not only take the coaching, but you just see him evolve and mature as a player, as a person. And I think he was... One of our hardest workers on our team. Just you, you can always count on Dex, given maximum effort. So it was, it was great to see him back here, and I'm excited for him. That's Packers head coach Matt Lafleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. Lot to come. Packers talk. They play tomorrow. Badgers talk. They play in a couple weeks. Uh, a, a little nugget that I found this morning. I'll tell you what it is coming up at the top of the hour. 877-867-1670. Talking Brewers, though. Let's go to Kevin from Central Wisconsin. Kevin, how are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Eh, you know, it's a Thursday. <laughs> I, it's a Thursday. It's a good Thursday, though. Normally, I like Thursdays. I feel like I like this one more. Well, it, it's nice and sunny here in Central Wisconsin, about 73 degrees. So it's, 
make call it a really nice Thursday up here. But um, I got a couple things I want to go through when you guys talk about the trade and the bullpen. Yeah, is that one thing that I'm not I don't like is how really council manages his bullpen. Last wow. week, I think they probably. Well, I think they could probably would have won a couple of games if he would. Maybe I mean I know coaches try to you know let the guys work themselves out of it, but you're in a playoff race, and you can't let it get out of control. And I think they probably could have pulled Devin Williams probably last week, a lot sooner than what they could have, especially when he was struggling there against the the Pirates and stuff. He gave up you know gave up that. Well, he was in there order. for an inning. It was a tie game. He was in there for what I believe was the ninth inning, and then he just gave up a home run. If you can't rely on him and you have to bring in someone in his relief, then you're in a horrible place. I don't think that's managing necessarily. I think that's personnel. And if everyone's struggling, you're always going to look bad. Yeah, but I mean, but there's other times too that I think he keeps guys in there just a little too long. That you know, but I mean, but that's, that's just my opinion. And then I guess we can agree to disagree on a lot of things too. I mean, that's what you know. That's our. You know, that's everybody's right. But I guess I just. I, I, I mean, when they come in and like, and I, I know I talked to Bill about this before about the analytics, you know, when it comes to certain pitching, you know, you know, certain matchups and, and things like that, that just still drives me, that drives me crazy, you know, with that. And, but if you look at that trade, I mean, I understand that Rogers wasn't a dominant pitcher, like what Hader was, but if you look at their stats, their stats were pretty close to the same. I think what Hader had one more save than what Rogers has. Put him in there, let him close. Yeah, save-wise, they're similar. But I, in terms of dominance and not allowing hitters to get on base and hit the ball, Hater's been a lot better for years. Right. Like, I, the whole save thing I have a trouble with because any team can put a guy in the closing spot and he can pick up saves. Not every save is created equal, right? Because sometimes there's a one-run lead against the best lineup in baseball. Sometimes it's a three-run lead against the Chicago Cubs, and both count as a save. Right. I mean, I, I, I get, I understand that. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying on that too. But I just, I, I just think that that they uh, they need to probably look at things a little bit different. Maybe even try to do some something different. I mean, Williams had that mentality though of coming in and being your setup man, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's got to be tough, you know, to, to make that change. You know, you're going to, you know, now he, now he's got the pressure. He's the man. He's got to close the game out, and he's. I don't. Maybe he's not used to that pressure yet either, too. So, I just don't. I just. I guess I just don't agree with having having Williams as the, you know right now as the closer. I got you. I appreciate the phone call, Kevin. Uh, Zach, you said this earlier in the hour. Uh, there is something to be said about going from locking down the eighth inning every day to then moving around in general, let alone closing. And that you said you thought it affected Williams a little bit to start. Maybe not negatively affected, but played a role, possibly. I don't know. When a guy gets so comfortable and when he's so, so good as he was in, in the eighth inning for, what, was it 30? 31. How many straight games? 31. Yeah. Yes, you get in a groove. You get in a groove and it's you feel good about where it's at. And it's not that he didn't pitch in the ninth. There were a couple saves, I believe, in that in that mix. But it's it's a little bit different when you don't have – that Josh Hader sitting there over your shoulder, you know, the guy that, you know, if I'm, I'll be all right. He's he's right there. This is only a one-time thing. Right. And now it's kind of a, a potentially a bigger time thing than, than that. Yeah. And when you speak about the bullpen last week overall, the reason I'll defend council is because when you look up and down, there were three new additions. 
Taylor Rogers pitched in two games. He had a 4.5 ERA. Matt Bush had an 11.57. Jake McGee, who's now gone, had a 10.13. And even the guys that were holdovers. Devin Williams gave up three runs. Brent Suter gave up runs. Even Boxberger gave up a run. Milner as well. So when you look at that last week, the one and five record, it was just a bullpen wide struggle. I can't pin it on council because no one could get outs. 877-867-1670. You have thoughts on that. We'll take your calls next. A lot more to come. It's Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 